Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. hates religion, which is fine if we can agree with them on one thing. It's that. I mean, I don't like religion either. Religion, the do's and don'ts, the working to get to God. It's impossible. None of us can do that. Whatever the standards are or the list of criteria that gets laid out of like, okay, if you do these things, then you will get to heaven. It's like, I can't do any of that stuff. I can't. You can't. None of us can. It's pretty obvious that the world hates religion. Basically, people don't like to be told that some things are right and other things are wrong. But is that what Christianity is supposed to be? Is it a list of rights and wrongs for other people or for yourself? Today, Pastor James shares that Jesus didn't come just to deliver a new and improved religion. If you define religion as a set of rules by which you can earn your way to God, Jesus came instead to make a way to God. He came to be the way. He wants to be your way to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 17 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. We're in Revelation. We're going to take care of two chapters tonight. Yes, um, there's a reason why, okay? There's always a reason why. Um, we're talking about what it says right here on my podium, Babylon will fall. So you kind of get to the end of Revelation, you're like, all right, enough's enough. I want to get to the good stuff, right? Like, so tear down Babylon and all that good stuff. Chapter 17 and chapter 18 are all about the destruction of Babylon. So we'll look at this and... Uh, you know, kind of walk through these two chapters together to see there's two different elements concerning Babylon that we're going to be talking about, okay? So 17 is going to address the religious system of Babylon, and then chapter 18 is going to address the uh, economical and the political side of Babylon, okay? So uh, Babylon in and of itself, basically it's this world system that has always been anti-God. Go back into Genesis, and you can see from its very origins, uh, always been anti-God. This worldly, ungodly system will come to destruction. So that's why we're going to cover 17 and 18, because we want to see the total picture. I don't want to have to go another week to see when the political side and the economical side of this uh, corrupt system gets destroyed. I'd rather just see it all destroyed now. And then we got chapter 19, then, man, we're into, like, the home stretch. Like, this is it. So if you turn to chapter 17, chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke to me. Now, remember, the seven bowls were filled with the wrath of God. We saw that in chapter 16. Then these seven bowls got poured out onto all the earth, and it's just chaos and destruction, and it is finished. Chapter 16, Revelation, it is finished, okay? It's done. Now we're going to deal with this Babylon, okay? So one of the seven angels with the seven bowls came and spoke to me. He said, come, he said, I will show you the condemnation and punishment of the great prostitute or the great harlot, or if you got the King James, uh, the great 
whore is what that says. And I kind of like that translation for some of these verses. I'm like, yeah, the old King James is uh, very like, it just gets like right to it. Um, this great prostitute who sits on many waters. What I love about this part of Revelation is if you're like, what? Prostitute, many waters, and then we'll see a beast and all this stuff. It explains it. It explains itself, which is so cool. Um, we'll keep reading. So she's this prostitute. She's going to be sitting on this beast who knew we know is the Antichrist, uh, but there are many waters. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality, okay? And the, the earth's inhabitants got drunk with the wine of her immorality or her adultery or her fornication, okay? Different ways to say the same thing, right? So these kings are together with her. You'll see that this will not work out for any of these guys. Verse 3, so he, this angel, carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness, and there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast who was full of blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. We've seen this beast already, okay? So I'm reading through some of these verses quickly just so we can understand. This is just descriptive stuff. Basically, this woman sitting on the scarlet beast, the scarlet beast is the Antichrist. We've already encountered him in the same description, um, maybe minus the color, okay, the scarlet. But we've already seen this beast, and he's full of names, uh, blasphemous names, blasphemy speaking, uh, blasphemous things or hateful things against God. Um, but this woman is this religious system of Babylon, this worldly religious system is basically what she represents, okay? So she's riding on the back of the Antichrist, and what's so funny about this is because we've kind of been going through this, you know, throughout the course of Revelation where we'll see, like, there will be a one-world government. There will be a one-world religious system as well. What's interesting about that is even though you have a one-world religious system, the world will still hate religion. <laughs> it's still going to hate religion. And so this woman, she's about to get devoured by the very worldly system that said, you know what? If we got to have religion, you're going to be it. So what will that one world religion be? I don't know. I have no idea. Some people say it's Catholicism, which could be. I don't know. It's based there. The Vatican is based there, you know, right there in the heart of kind of where we've been talking about as far as like, you know, if it is Rome and the Roman Empire is uh, rejuvenated or whatever. So is it Catholicism? I, I don't know. Nobody really knows. You can't really say too certain. Um, it could be even just uh, humanism you know, in that sense. Um, let's just all get together and let's just all get along and you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. Oh, but we got to worship this one guy so we can agree to do that, right? In essence, that's what the world will be doing. But this religious system, and it is that, it is religion. It is religion. It's not even going to last. Even in the last days, religion itself gets destroyed because the world hates religion, which is fine. If we can agree with them on one thing, it's that. I mean, I don't like religion either. Religion, the do's and don'ts, the working to get to God, it's impossible. None of us can do that. Whatever the standards are or the list of criteria that gets laid out of like, okay, if you do these things, then you will get to heaven. And it's like, I can't do any of that stuff. I can't. You can't. None of us can. So we don't need religion Religion is really, in a sense, if you boil it down, religion is pointless. What's the point of it? It just causes frustration. 
Um, it doesn't cause anybody to draw closer to God. If anything, it repels people from God. Because the more you get into it, the more you realize, like, I can't do any of this stuff. So the harder I'm trying, it seems like the further I'm getting away from him. That's why we want relationship, an intimate, actual uh, relationship with Jesus. It's not a system of do's and don'ts, and you better make sure that your good outweigh your bad, because if they don't, then you're destined for damnation, right? Like, that's what they tell us, and that's not true. And multiple religions function off of that. This is what she represents. This is this woman. I told you last week, like, I can remember, like, this many dreams I've ever had in my life. Like, I can count them on one hand. I don't remember dreams. I just don't. Um, I can eat food late at night and all that good stuff. It doesn't really mess me up, give me weird dreams, okay? Now, sometimes it will. But there was one time I was uh, in between semesters at Bible college, brand new, saved, all this good stuff. I don't know if I was in going through Revelation yet as far as one of our classes, because I took Revelation in college. Um, I don't think I was there yet. I don't even know how this happened, but I had this dream one day. I don't put much on dreams either, okay? Just so you understand that, okay? I think this was just a warning from God saying like, hey, um, you need to pay attention. But I had a dream about this woman. I had a very vivid dream about this lady that this is talking about. And I didn't even know Revelation 17. I didn't even know. I had no knowledge. I mean, I glanced at Revelation one point in time in my life when I was like trying to figure out which religion would be best for James. The end of the world is coming. I should probably have a heads up on what that's going to look like. Okay, I didn't make it too far into Revelation before I was like, I don't understand any of this. And I closed the book, right? But I had a dream and there was this lady and it gives us some further descriptions of how she is. She's dressed in purple and scarlet, She's, you know, and all this stuff. And she was just like sucking stuff into like drawing things into her presence. And in my dream, I knew like, this is like a nightmare. I don't know who that lady is, but I want nothing to do with her. I want nothing to do with her. I woke up, cold sweats, all this stuff. And I'm like, what was that? I haven't even had a dream like that since then. But I knew enough in that dream, and I just started praying immediately when I woke up, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what that was, but I don't want anything to do with that. I don't even know what that represents. I don't even, and I think it probably was later on. I think I took Revelation my fourth semester of Bible college, um, and I guess it was when we were going through this chapter. I'm like, oh, man, that was that weird lady that was in my dream, and she's bad. She's bad news. She's bad news, and, and she has this ability. We see this with the kings. She has drawn them in. She's drawn them in, and they've drank of her. They've jumped, you know, feet first into everything that she represents. What's fascinating is if she does indeed represent religion, look at all these, like, descriptive terms that go along with her, you know, uh, sexual immorality, drunkenness, drunk off the wine of her immorality or her uh, idolatry and all the other different words that are used from different translations, these aren't really terms that you would think of when you think of religion. But this is Babylon, this great prostitute, uh, and you know what she represents, and everybody that's partaking with her, it's, these descriptive terms are just that. It's immorality. Basically, you boil it down to it's just idolatry. It's idolatry. There's nothing about her that represents God, okay? And never was there any intention for this harlot, this woman, um, 
or what she represents, this religious system, nothing about it was ever intended to point people to Jesus or point people to God. In fact, it was established to point people away from him and to point people towards the Antichrist, okay? So he goes into this wilderness. He gets caught up and he's taken to this wilderness, and he sees a woman. She's sitting on this beast. Verse 4, it says, now the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet clothing. Those are colors uh, that depict royalty and wealth, okay? So she's got a lot of money. <laughs> she's got a lot of say. Uh, it says she's also adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, and she held in her hand a golden cup filled with the detestable and unclean things from her sexual immorality. I like the New King James, the filthiness of her fornication. That's a descriptive term of a church, quote unquote, in the last days. Like, this is what she represents. And look at it. I mean, if this is a one world system, um, as, you know, if you're watching on camera, I'm pointing to the screens, which I think you can see. If not, I'm just pointing to these verses there. But this religious system is set up with the finest things possible. And as the world, the earth is experiencing, literally, it's experiencing hell on earth, but the religious system is doing all right. It's doing just fine. We've seen throughout history where religious systems have always prospered, even during the worst times, where the religious systems, and I won't name any names, but they're buying up a bunch of land while the world is suffering and going through famine. While the people have nothing the church keeps accumulating because you better keep paying the church because if you don't pay the church, you're not going to heaven. And it's like, what? <laughs> that's ridiculous. It's a lie. If you've ever bought into that, I'm sorry to tell you that that's a lie. It's not true. But you even see in this description that John's seeing at the end of it all, he's like, man, the world has been falling apart. And now this could be a little kind of a break within the story. Okay, so we do this in Revelation. There's times where you're like, you're in the midst of the story, and then John gets pulled out of the story, and he's like, oh, but look at this. Hey, look over here. It's kind of like a, not ADD, but almost kind of like a squirrel moment, you know, like squirrel, like, oh, what's that over there? Like, oh, what's this over here? Like, hey, check this out over here. So doesn't necessarily mean this is like, okay, all the bold judgments are poured out, now this happens, but what John is seeing is like the accumulation of it all, the end of it all. It's coming to an end. So the world has experienced God's wrath. But just in case we've forgotten, there is this religious system and this worldly system, I believe, identified as Babylon. I do believe it will be a physical, actual city as well. But we get to see that God's going to take care of this. So this religious system... This woman that's, you know, being used to describe the scenario here, she's doing all right. She's clothed in the best clothing. She's got all the jewels. She's got the precious stones. She's got the pearls. Um, but she's got this golden cup filled with the filthiness of her fornication or um, the unclean things of her sexual immorality. It says, on her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and the detestable things of the earth, right? Like that would be like the road sign as you're pulling into Babylon city limits, right? You know, Texas, the Lone Star State, right? Like we love that sign. When you leave Texas and you're coming back, that is just a sign that's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for that beautiful sign, right? Like we're back in God's country. Sorry if you're not from Texas, but um, it's cool. Here it is, the road sign going into Babylon. Mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. This is all that Babylon represents. 
So it's a physical city. At one point in time in history, actually several points in time in history, it's been a physical city. Even Saddam Hussein uh, brought in some engineers when he was alive um, to have them rebuild the city of Babylon. And parts of that have been accomplished. I don't know to what extent. Um, but it has existed. I think it will get rebuilt again. But so this could speak of a physical place, but I believe it also it's speaking of this whole worldly system. This is what it's known for, you know, mother of harlots or, you know, it's just this thing that, I mean, it's prostitutes. It's this fornication type thing. It's um, anything goes kind of a, you know, all this abominations of the earth. And it almost is kind of this idea of like, if you go back into the book of Judges, when there was no king or there's no judge, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You could basically say the same thing about this Babylonian system. Everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Verse 6, it says, I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of those who testified to Jesus. And I was greatly astounded when I saw her. So this is John just saying like he was marveling. He was in amazement just looking at this woman, quote unquote, who is drunk off the blood of the people of the martyrs, the ones that she's killed. Um, or has allowed to be murdered because they believe in Jesus. This is a religious system that says, if you believe in Jesus, we are going to kill you. If you do not, uh, you know, recant or deny Jesus, then we will kill you. And we're not surprised by this because we've seen this happened in world history. This very thing has happened. There's books that have been written about this. There's accounts and stories of people who are burned at the stake or, you know, killed in various ways as creative as the people could get simply because they wouldn't, you know, deny Jesus. And so sometimes that came from the government and then sometimes that came from the church. In the end, same thing. It'll be the stamp of approval will come from the church, just hand in hand with the ruling government as well. I say church, not like the church, the body of Christ, but like what we understand as, you know, a religious system, okay? The church, in case you don't know, the actual church, the body of Christ is not on the scene. But there will be believers during this time period. There will be believers for sure. So John's in maze and all this good stuff. The angel says to him in verse 7, why are you astounded? I will interpret for you the mystery of the woman and the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. And you're like, thank you so much, right? Because if not, then you're left to try to figure this out on your own, right? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, praise God we have the whole Bible. Because you can actually go back and start back in Genesis and read all the way to Revelation, and you'll see little hints and things and pointing to this and describing that and explaining this and all that stuff. But this angel's like, hey, John, don't worry about it. I'll tell you what it means. Because John's like, what? What is this? Who is this lady? And she's crazy. Why is she? She's drinking the blood of the saints. Like, what is going on here? He says in verse 8, the beast you saw uh, was and is not, but is about to come up from the abyss and then go to destruction. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, excuse me? Um, was, but is not, about to go back to the... This is the Antichrist. Remember when they thought they killed him and he rose again from the dead kind of a thing? Or at least that's what they want you to think or will want everybody to believe. This is what he's referencing here. The beast you saw 
was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Uh, those who dwell on the earth will marvel. They'll be amazed at this, at what happens, okay? So he's talking about the beasts. We've identified them because we know that's a reference earlier in Revelation. We're specifically talking about the Antichrist. It says, those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So basically what this angel is saying, he's like, look, that beast with all the heads and the horns, he's Antichrist. He's false. Okay, he's a counterfeit. What's going to happen is the world's going to watch him die, quote unquote, and then watch him miraculously be raised back to life. And they're like, that's the Messiah. That's the one the Bible has been talking about. There he is. Let's worship that guy. All those other knuckleheads have gotten it wrong for so many years, but this is the real deal. He's a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. But the world, the ones whose names are not written in the book of life, meaning that they don't belong to the Lord. And they don't belong to the Lord because they have not wanted to belong to the Lord, all right? Name's not written in that book because they don't want their name recorded in that book. Because that book's the book of life, and darkness hates light, right? Because God is light, and darkness hates light and wants nothing to do with light. Read John chapter 1. They want nothing to do with him. But this guy who seemingly dies and raises back to life, well, we want to follow that guy. So they're astounded. They're amazed. Verse 9, it says, this requires a mind that has wisdom, okay? Um, Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. So the seven mountains or the seven hills, that's a reference geographically. That's a reference to Rome because Rome is situated on seven hills, okay? That's why everybody believes that this will center around Rome, That's why you have the Vatican right there, and people will put the pieces of the puzzle together and be like, well, that would make sense if you have, if you establish, let's say, I'm not saying he is, because I don't know anything about the popes or anything like that, but let's just say, practically speaking, we'll just nominate this guy to be over all religions. And you'd be like, well, that doesn't seem like that would jive, right? Like that would fit together. Well, it will when your pope is like, yeah. All religions are basically the same thing, which we are trending towards that like every single day. It seems like with every pope we get, um, they definitely start leaning way more towards that direction. And I think this guy who's currently there, um, again, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't want to assume anything about him, but I have read articles uh, in where he has been quoted as basically saying the same thing of like, well, you just believe what you want to believe. And it's like, whoa. That's kind of dangerous, especially when over it's, what, close to like a billion people consider this guy to be the holy anointed representative of God. That's dangerous. I'm not saying he is, and I'm not saying Roman Catholicism will be that, but I do find it interesting that the Bible is saying like, look, seven heads, they're the seven mountains, they're the seven hills that this woman, this religious system She is seated upon these things. Interesting. What other religion is geographically within that region? It's primarily Roman Catholicism. So again, because it could switch, it could change, whatever, but I just find it so fascinating. And as John's writing this, you know, because for him, you're going to get a list of these kings and all this stuff. So John maybe in his time period looking at this is like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially not too long after this, historically, Rome would like make, you know, 
Christianity, I'll call it Christianity with quotes, the national religion. Jesus is like a fresh wind blowing through a winterized, closed-up cabin that's musty and devoid of company. He changes everything, eliminating the cobwebs that so easily entangle. And as we learn from the book of Revelation, it will one day be the same with this old, sin-filled world that we live in. Everything will be different, and it's going to be better because that's what Jesus does. Today's message isn't the only one that Pastor James Grizzle has taught. To hear others like this one, make sure you go to breadforthebroken.com for more. You know, Satan wants nothing more than to distract you from spending time in God's Word. The question is, will you disappoint him? Will you continue to seek ways to grow closer to Jesus? We hope that today's message has blessed and inspired you. We can't know what season of life you're in, but we trust that Jesus spoke to your heart today through this message, and we hope that you'll be back for more. Would you like to help spread the good news of Jesus? A donation of any size would help us. We're so thankful for those that would support us financially. Find more information at breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle and everyone here is anxious to meet you. So feel free to come either Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We hope to see you soon. We're just a group of people who are laid back and desire to magnify Jesus at all ages. Be assured there's something here for you, too. Come back again for more on Revelation, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.